Our scripture passage is in the third chapter of the book of Joshua. We read the first five verses, the text for the message, The Unknown Tomorrow. Joshua 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now let us pray. There are a great many things that we never ever quite get used to, even though they happen again and again and again in our lives. Death comes, and everything about the family life is disrupted. Nothing is ever quite the same again when death comes. And yet death is no total stranger to us. Or is there a family among us that has not known the sorrow that comes when death comes? And yet, when death comes again, it is always a surprise. Somehow or other, though we live in the midst of the changing seasons, we're just never really quite ready for all of the change into the next one. Somehow or other, we just hope that the changing season will not be quite like the last one. If it's winter, then it'll not be as severe. We're just never quite ready, even though it's so routine birthdays and holidays and all the rest, the recurring cycle. Someone wrote a long time ago, 
There are four things that having been spent never return. The spoken word. Once it has been spoken, you can never bring it back. Every one of us, I'm certain, can think of any number of words that we have spoken to others in haste, in impatience, in anger, that we wish we could call back, but we cannot. The sped arrow, if you take the bow and arrow and put that arrow at the wire and bring the bow to its tautness and release it, and the arrow goes forth, you can never ever bring it back where it'll never be exactly the same again. The third thing, having been spent, that can never ever be recalled is time past. A lot of good things out of many of our yesterdays, but we can't recall them. We can't live them again. There are a lot of terrible things out of many of our past that we're grateful we cannot recall and relive, gone forever. And lost opportunities. Every day, some kind of opportunity will knock at each one of our doors. In the course of the year past, we have had many opportunities. Some of them we've recognized. Some of them we have not recognized. To some of the opportunities that have knocked, we have opened, and we've moved through that open door, and we found that God has led, and that God has directed, and that God has been guiding, and that we have touched other lives, and that we have had victories we never dreamed possible, that we have made new friends, and new relationships have come to pass because of going through the open door. But when opportunity knocks and when a door is open and we do not go through it, the opportunity is lost. It can never ever be reclaimed in exactly the same way. Israel, in the passage of Scripture that I read just a bit ago, Israel was standing at the very edge of the promised land. Israel had moved through 40 years of wandering. The leader who had taken them out of Egypt had brought them to the very edge of the promised land. But because of sin in his own life, God did not allow that leader, Moses, to walk into the promised land. He selected another man to take them in, and that man was Joshua. And so Joshua brings the people to the very edge, to the Jordan River. And all of the people have cause to remember where they have been, and their eyes look across to that promised land that God has said that he would give them.
behind them a long journey, in front of them a new start and a new beginning. It's a wonderful thing to be able to have a fresh beginning. It's a wonderful thing for God to give a clean white book and say, here, all of the pages are clean. Now write and write carefully. There's a page for each day that I will give you. Be careful what you write upon that page. But there is a joy and there is an excitement that comes in the reality that God does give us in each new day. A clean white page on which we can write. In this story that I have read, as the children of Israel were encamped, as Joshua gave the instructions as to what they would do to get ready to cross over into that promised land, into their new tomorrow, we can draw many great parallel truths for our own lives. For a year has passed, and we face a new year. All of the past is past. And we, like the children of Israel, stand at our own Jordan River, facing our own promised land. And what we will do within the promised land of a new year that God has promised to us, what we do within it will depend upon the preparation of our hearts and our souls, even as we look and listen and learn from the preparation that the children of Israel made. We take a look at that slave nation. They had been slaves for centuries in Egypt. They had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Indeed, that generation died because they had lost faith in God and at Kadesh Barnea had elected not to do what God wanted them to do, and so God sent them a-wandering. It is a second generation that had moved out of Egypt that now stands ready to move into the promised land and to possess it. And Joshua says to the people, this is the first thing that I want you to do in preparation for our tomorrow, in preparation for the promised land, in preparation for what God is going to do for us and with us and in us, we must retreat for three days. Now, that seems a little bit strange. They'd been at it for 40 years. You mean take three more days? God said, I want you to take three days. Take three days. Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, through the crowd of the folks, after three days. What do you suppose happened there in those three days? I believe that Joshua wanted them to refresh their memory, to remember where they had been, to remember what they had come from, 
to remember the agonies of that wilderness journey, to remember the promises that God had made. Three days of spiritual retreat where they were to remember their past. They were to take stock. I think Joshua wanted them in these three days to take a spiritual inventory about all of the things that they had brought to the very edge of the promised land. Because Joshua was saying to them, there are some things you don't need to take on over. You ought to leave them here on this side of the Jordan. There are some things you ought to get rid of. There's some excess baggage. Don't take it in to tomorrow. Leave it. Say good riddance. There are some things that God has given. Old Joshua said to them, there's some things we want to carry in. Let's zero in on them. Let's circle them about. And let's know the things that we are to carry across. Memory is a strange kind of animal. Strange sort of witch. Isn't that amazing how this thing of our memory how we will gather up and treasure the bits of rags and straw and junk out of our past and throw the jewels out the window. Joshua said, there are some things I want you to forget. Tomorrow we move into the promised land. It's going to be a glorious new opportunity for us. And there are some things I want you to forget. I want you to forget how heathen you were in the plains of the Sinai when Moses was there with God, getting the commandments of God. Ah, you remember? You remember how we made the golden calf, heathens bowing down before an idol made by our own hands. Let's leave that behind us. For in the tomorrow that God has promised to us, we don't need any golden calves. We have God. Let's forget the rebellion of our fathers at Kadesh Barnea. Let's put behind us that spirit and that attitude that caused our fathers to murmur at Moses every time Moses spoke for God. We need to forget those things. But we need to remember some things. We need to remember how much God loves us in spite of our sins. We need to remember how God has promised us things and always kept His promise. We need to remember how God has plotted out the map and we followed the way and we're at the edge of His promised land. We need to remember those things. We need to remember God gave us the daily bread that we required. We need to remember that God gave us water in the midst of our thirst. We need to remember these things as we prepare to face our tomorrow, an unknown tomorrow, an uncertain tomorrow. Quite a number of years ago, 
Not too many, really. One of the dearest friends I ever had in the world, been dead now for quite a long time, great and wonderful preacher here in Tennessee and then in Texas, Dr. L.B. Cobb. Dr. Cobb was called on one day by a brother pastor to conduct the funeral service for the preacher's wife, an infant child. Brother Overton's wife had died giving birth to the baby. Dr. Cobb had that funeral, and he said, I noticed that while I was having the funeral service, that Brother Overton was writing something on the back of an envelope. And when the funeral was over and the service was over out at the grave, Dr. Cobb said, I, I went to my friend, Dr. Overton, and I said, I couldn't help but notice that you were writing all the time that, that the funeral was going on. Were you taking notes on, on what I said? I'd, I'd be glad to share with you what I, what I had. The woman said, no. said, I was listening to what you had to say, but God was speaking to my heart too. And this is what I was writing. My father's way may twist and turn. My heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray. My hopes may fade away, but still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark, and it may seem that day will never break, I'll pin my faith, my all, in him. He maketh no mistake. There's so much now I cannot see. My eyesight's far, far too dim. But come what may, I'll simply trust and leave it all to him. For by and by the mist will lift, and plain it all he'll make. Through all the way, though dark to me, he made not one mistake. My father's way may twist and turn my heart the throb and ache but in my soul i'm glad i know he maketh no mistake Now that is what we are to remember as we move across the threshold of a year. 
as we close the books on a year that is past, we must remember him who is our father and who guides us, making no mistake. From this episode in the third chapter of Joshua, we discover that the future is hidden to us. I don't know about you, but I'm glad it is. The Bible puts it very simply, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God keeps a veil drawn between us and tonight's midnight hour or the sunrise of a tomorrow or next week or next month. God has simply said, don't be concerned about that for the tomorrow is in my keeping. He knows it. He knows what's going to happen to you just as though it had already happened. Does that mean he makes it happen? No, not at all. That's another subject, and we'll deal with that at another time. The point is this, that God is an omniscient God, knowing all. Yesterday is as today to him. Today is as yesterday to him. And all of tomorrow's and all of eternity is in the knowledge of God. Is God big enough to take care of you in whatever the tomorrows are for you? Is God sufficient in his power and in his strength and in his love and in his grace? Is God sufficient? Has God proven himself to you in any day past that he is capable of loving you and keeping you within the very hollow of his hand? You see, you can trust him for tomorrow for your unknown tomorrows. Sometimes God will reveal that final end. Oh, indeed he has. When he speaks to us about the glories of heaven, when he talks to us about the wonders of going home, when he talks to us about how wonderful it is in that place that he has prepared for us. Oh, he's told us about what it is down there at the end of the line. But between here and there, there may be many a turn and twist in the road. Every tomorrow has two handles. It has the handle of anxiety or the handle of faith. And how you wake up to any tomorrow that God gives you and what you do with any tomorrow that will be yours as a gift from God, you will handle it with one of those two handles, anxiety that will bug you and destroy your brain and your body at last. Or you can approach each day with the handle of faith, which it is is your choice. But the blessedness of life comes out of faith. We learn as we look at these brief passages in the third chapter of Joshua, we learn that a whole new kind of dedication for the new task was needed. 
You see, the instructions were given very clearly. They were to be there for three days. He gives them the, the information here. The, the fifth verse says, and, and Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify. What does that mean? What did he want the people to do? Sanctify. You know, I have run across any number of people in my life who thought they were sanctified, and I've always had to sort of be careful around those folks. And some folks sort of think they get so much holier than other folks, you know. You better kind of watch out after those folks. There's a stick of dynamite in the rear pocket somewhere. But yet Joshua said to the people, we're going into territory we have not been in before, just like we get ready to face a whole new year in an area, time, a calendar that we've not lived before. Joshua said to the children of Israel, sanctify yourselves. There's something you must do to get ready for the unknown tomorrow. And I think God says to us, sanctify yourselves. Get ready for the unknown tomorrow. Well, what does it mean? To sanctify means to set apart for the purposes of God. Sanctify. Consecrate. Make holy. Clean before God. To make oneself available to God to be any kind of a vessel and any kind of an instrument that God wants to use for his own purposes. That's what it means to sanctify. When the holy vessels in the tabernacle and then in the temple were sanctified, it meant that these vessels, urns and basins and bowls, and all kinds of altars, that these were sanctified, they were set apart to holy purposes, to be used in any way God said to use them. Now, let's apply that to our own lives. We come to the end of 1978. We approach 1979. The, the voice of Joshua comes across the centuries and bounces around the walls of this room with still a validity and a meaning. Sanctify yourselves. You're going to step over into the promised land of what next year will offer for you. Then you must be right in the sight of God. Set apart. Well, who can do that? Can you do that for me? No. Can I do that for you? No. Can you do that for your children? No. Can you do that for your husband? No. Can you do that for your wife? No. Each one of us must approach God. Each one of us 
must confess our own sins. Each one of us must plead for the cleansing. Each one of us must receive the cleansing blood of Christ ourselves individually. Then we become sanctified, clean, circled about in the power of God and set apart to be used in any way that God wants to use us. They had new duties over there, new requirements, new jobs. They had been drifting. They had been wandering in the wilderness. But now when they go across the Jordan River and they go in to claim and to possess the promised land, something new is going to have to come about. And so some new commands are given. New achievements are expected over there. For all those 40 years, they had simply struck camp. They had folded up the tents. They had wandered away until it was time to stop. And they pitched their tents and they spent the night and then they gathered up the tents and they, they did that every day, every morning, every night for 40 years. But now it's a new time. Now it's a new day. Now it's a new age. Now there's something different. Now they're at the very edge of the promised land. Now it's time to cross over. Now it's time to be ready. So out of that three days of retreat, when they have remembered all the good things they want to take with them and all the bad things they want to leave behind, when they have sanctified themselves, made themselves available to God, God now gives them new directions. God now gives them new commands. And God says, now arise. You've been drifting and wandering in the desert. Now arise. Purpose to do right. Go forward. Cross over, possess the land. And I find in this some very striking parallels to what Jesus says to us as we come to the close of the year, as we face whatever a new year will bring to us. I think these same commands apply that however we have been drifting, However, we have been wandering. However, it is that we have disappointed God and disappointed ourselves. It's time now, as we get ready for that fresh start, as we get ready for the new beginning, throwing away that which is bad, holding on to that which is good, sanctifying ourselves, making ourselves available to God, we listen to the new command for the new day. Arise. Go forward. Don't be content to simply maintain old forms and old ways. Go forward. Doing it new ways. Reaching new people. Giving new joy to countless thousands as a witness of the influence of this church can do. Cross over, God says. Possess the gift I have for you. 
gift of being God's people in this place. A whole new way of life was before them. The manna was to cease. From now on, their bread would be earned as they would till the soil. The clouds of fire and smoke would no longer be there with them now. Now the way would not be quite as easy as they moved into the promised land. But troubles, troubles are just about like a fella approaching a hill that he's going to hike over. That as you just keep on going and you climb that hill, it somehow has a way of flattening out as we go on. And that's the way it is when we go with God. And the glory of the journey, remember that God goes before you into your unknown tomorrow. Just as the Ark of the Covenant went before them, so God goes before us when we sanctify ourselves. We need then, in the time-honored tradition, to make some resolves. As we prepare to leave one year and to enter into a new one, we need to resolve that we will live in Christ, that we will know Him in the intimacy of prayer, that we will discern His will, as we become more familiar with his word. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I might tread safely out into the unknown. And he replied, put your hand into the hand of God, and that shall be unto thee better than a light and safer than an own way. Put your hand into the hand of God. The nail-pierced hand of Jesus reaching out to you to say, enter your unknown tomorrow. I'll go with you. Let us pray. Our Father.